0: A little bit later on, we will have the opportunity not just to sing and to say and to remember uh, God's promises, but also to taste them. We're going to have a chance to take communion. And so if you have uh, not had a chance at home to prepare your own kitchen table uh, with bread and juice or wine, uh, I invite you to take a minute now to go ahead and do that as we get started. And for those of us here in the room, we're doing uh, we're doing communion with these uh, small little pre-packaged containers, so if you did not get a chance to receive one on your way in, uh, I'd invite you to raise your hand if you'd like to partake of the supper with us, and one of our elders will, will bring one to you. Um, and there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, of course, we can say that as Christian people because it is still Christmas, right? This... Uh, Christianity celebrates Christmas not just as one climactic day that's over in about 10 minutes when all the unwrapping uh, just piles up in the corner, but but Christmas is a is a 12-day season. It's where that strange song about partridges and pear trees comes from, if you've heard that one. But Christmas for us is a season, and now, that we are on the other side of Christmas Day and your recycling has multiplied by a magnitude of four, we actually are in a much better place to start to ponder and to wonder and to savor the mystery of what it means that Jesus is here. Of course, it means that God has come to be with us, which is why we want to be in person in the first place and why it is so painful and hard that so many of us cannot be in person with us right now. Because being together is what God has done for us. And so our hope and our prayer for all of you who cannot gather with us this morning is that just because we cannot be together does not mean that God cannot get to you where you are. And so friends, the same God who meets us no matter where we find ourselves is the same God that is here with us. i invite you to rise in body and spirit and let's say our call to worship together. Friends, all God's people, boys and girls, Women and men, come
1: and worship. Shepherds,
0: magi, saints, and angels,
2: come and worship. Come and worship.
0: All who need the Savior, all who long for comfort,
2: come and worship. Come and worship Christ, the newborn King. Come and worship. Here we go. Jesus yeah. word became flesh, Jesus, gift of your love. We wonder at the miracle of creation. We stand in awe before the mystery of the incarnation. Forgive us, earthbound creatures, feeble in faith, empty of hope, lacking in love. This year, let the miracle and mystery of Christmas happen for us again. We wait upon you with ready hearts, O God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That comes from the manger, friends. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's pass that peace to each other.
1: Good morning. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street. I hope your Christmas was wonderful, and I hope it continues. Um, I know uh, certainly the the period of time surrounding Christmas has been almost miraculous. Um, How do you like it? You like uh, Do you like a foot of white fluffy snow, or do you like the green grass that we see now and the warmth of the year what two days ago, where it was uh, sixty anyway, it really seems goofy um, it, but it's amazing it's amazing it's wonderful to see uh, the the uh the the swings and the strength in nature it's great even uh, even a, a crazy astrological, uh, quote, miracle, if you will, uh, seeing the, uh, the Christmas star, the, the coming together of the two planets that caused uh, uh, a fuss over the past month or so. It's, uh, it's amazing. But we, now we, we look forward not only to, to having this Christmas, and we as Christians can enjoy, but also the new year, uh, new beginnings, new chance. Um, that's pretty, uh, pretty optimistic, pretty exciting. Even though many of us may feel lately, kind of, kind of, uh, oh, oh, is me. Uh, oh, oh, is me. This crazy virus, and uh, and look what it's done to us. But let's uh, let's look forward. Let's uh, let's be optimistic in Christ. In the bulletin, you notice there's a there's a a little snippet, uh, and and a reminder of, of things, uh, things to be in prayer about. And I'm going to just point it out to you. Under care, let's pray together, because um, I want to grab hold of the, uh, of the uh, like a, almost a personal evaluation of uh, the fruits of the spirit. I want to include that in my prayer. I also want to include um, Al and Audrey Baker. We've been asked to uh, keep them in prayer. Um, boy, for decades, decades, we. Saw them sit among us and worship our Lord, and uh, they're unable. And and again, we're gonna we're gonna pray about that. So let's uh, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we've mentioned how we, we, we saw your we see your strength repeatedly in creati- your creativity in nature. The uh, the extremes, the wonderful snow the cold, the warmth, the interest we see in it, your strength, your beauty. We worship you and thank you for the the talents, the gifts you've you've, uh, sprinkled throughout this congregation, the gifts you've given your people. For those who are willing to use them, for all of those today who will participate in worship, for all of those who can, who can speak, who can sing, who can orchestrate and and arrange, all of those who who uh, who allow themselves to be used in this worship. And we just pray that we would all realize that our lives are worship. Our work is worship. That we'd be on our toes because our home life is a form of worship. Strengthen us in that. We pray. We uh, we have been told that we're, uh, we're under new guidelines for social distancing. You have been kind, Lord. You have been merciful to us. You have kept us safe. We pray that you continue to grant us safety and protection as we meet, as we meet for worship, as we come together in our various meetings, for prayer, for study, for midweek. We just pray that you would uh, continue to uh, surround us in your care, and we thank you for all that you've done. We pray that you would uh, bless those who do use their talents and their, their time. Uh, uh, for the benefit of your children here at, at Pleasant Street, for those who do participate in um, leading uh, for midweek and for different uh, studies and activities and, and uh, training for our children, for your children here at Pleasant Street. We just pray that you would bless their efforts, bless the, uh, the students and, and, and teachers and all of those who are once again on a kind of a Christmas break, a vacation from their, from their usual, from their studies. And we pray that kids can be kids. They can enjoy themselves, enjoy this time of, of respite. And we pray, too, that you would re-energize those who would be involved in their training and their care, uh, teachers and all of those who, uh, who are part of the, the organization of our schooling for, for children. Um, bless them with safety and with um, refreshed spirit. We do pray, too, Lord, as we, as we mentioned, that you would cause us to, to self-analyze, to, uh, to be aware of what fruits of the Spirit are evident in our lives and those around us. This is something we can do young and old. And we thank you for this. We can't thank you enough for <clears throat> providing us these gifts of love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Even as we say them and we, and we think about each, we think about how gracious, how, how wonderful a, a gift each of them is. We pray, Lord, that you would be with uh, Al and Audrey and, and uh, their family. We pray that you would help them with answers, help them with the the answers to some very difficult questions, difficult questions of care, of uh, how to care, where, and who. We just pray that you would uh, provide them with strength, with comfort. We pray that you would provide them with peace, wisdom, Healing of the body and healing of the spirit is is needed. In this uh, Christmas season, as it continues, how do we spread the Christmas story? <clears throat> the story of life in Christ year-round, we hope to proclaim the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Here in our local churches, we pray that you would bless the efforts of this church and, and all of the others in our surrounding Fair uh, uh, Fairlawn, and the River, and uh, New England Chapel. We pray, too, that you would, you would work in a mighty way in the church plants that are organized in uh, the city of Emmaus and the Resurrection CRC. We pray, too, Lord, that uh, they would hear the shout around the globe with all of those who are in the network of world missions, that, uh, that your word would be heard and that people would would come to understand more of this christmas story this this christ that we have physically we've prepared this morning lord to meet you at your table we have the elements we pray that you would you would cause us to be prepared spiritual spiritually we pray that you would cause us uh, to to uh, search our hearts to uh, to verify that we are that we are in proper concert with you that we that we are right in spirit and prepared to meet you at your table we thank you that we have that privilege that opportunity and we thank you this morning for pastor matthew for his gifts we pray that you'd provide him this morning with, uh, with wisdom and, and the words to bring your message to us. As, as we consider how do Simeon and Anna respond to the Christ child, I want to consider how do we respond to the Christ child. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: The scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord.
0: At a luxury resort in El Pescadero, Mexico, a group of Silicon Valley employees are gathered for a week long retreat on the seaside. There, in the comfort of a grand Mexican hacienda, 18 rooms surrounded by a pool, they spend the days talking, doing meditative yoga, and small group exercises. However, this is not your typical run of the mill corporate retreat. In fact, none of them work for the same companies or even really in the same industries. So what do they have in common, you ask? Why are they there? They are old in the tech industry. The retreat is called the Modern Elder Academy, and for $5,000, they can gather for a week in Mexico to talk about what it is like to be 40 and above In an industry where the median age of an employee at Facebook, SpaceX, and LinkedIn is 29. The man who started the Elder Academy, a man named Conley, did so while himself working at Airbnb. He discovered that all of his colleagues were referring to him as the Elder. He was only 52. During a week at the Elder Academy, participants hold sessions on how to adapt to the quickening pace of life in Silicon Valley and in the modern world. There's a session in which they are each given a binder on millennials. The cover is illustrated with an image of a bearded young guy holding a disposable coffee cup. They also gather in small circles to talk about how that quickening pace affects them, about feeling left out. One man bravely commented that for all of his study of YouTube stars, he just doesn't get it. They speak of divorces and cancer diagnoses, life changes, and new aches and pains in strange places. Now, what you might not know is that in Silicon Valley, it is a difficult place to get old, Not because of the weather. The weather is actually wonderful for getting old. But it's because of the culture and the assumptions that it carries. Let me see if this helps. There's one exercise at the Elder Academy in particular that I think captures much of what I'm trying to show you. During one session, there is a table that's filled with stickers. And on the stickers, like the little name tag stickers that you would write your name on and stick on yourself... There aren't names, but there are perceptions and fears that come with being old. The elders are told to pick up any of the stickers that they feel might apply to them and then stick them on their bodies. Phrases like, millennials rule the world. I wish I was a digital native. I am not practical or handy. I fear being the old lady or man. I am out of time to try something new. I feel increasingly invisible. (laughs) Boy, aren't you glad we don't live there? Aren't you glad that we don't live in a place where your value is a function of your age? Aren't you glad that none of us live in a place where youth and beauty are synonyms? where potential is the exclusive right of the unwrinkled, where new is always good and old is always wrong. Aren't you glad that those kinds of assumptions don't stick here? Hmm. Except maybe this morning, I can't help but wonder what might stick with you. I don't know what it is like, personally, to have people circle your desk at the office waiting for you to give it up like sharks. I don't know what it's like to have a manager who is younger than your own children, or a preacher, for that matter. But I would hope, probably along with you, that each of us, when we get old, could be seen as someone with wisdom to share. Yeah, but I wonder if it's more likely that what sticks is that an elder is someone who just can't let go. While in some sense it's the elders among us who can all say amen and amen, we should all be paying attention. Because in a world like ours that fixates as it does on what is new and young and novel, the trinity of commercial Christmas Day, perhaps, we should be paying attention. Because the same values that give us value when we are young always come for us in the end. Gradually, the world that once validated us begins to ignore us. I wonder what kinds of things might stick on Simeon and Anna. Simeon is old. uh, Anna, Luke tells us, is very old. And based on the way that Luke describes how they spend their days, they don't seem to be doing anything useful at all. Like a couple of retirees at their favorite breakfast spot, Simeon and Anna can be found in the temple pretty much any time it's open. What are they doing there? They're waiting. What could be more useless than that? But Luke says that this is not a way for them to bide time. Their waiting is a deeply, profoundly spiritual act. And yet, if we were to stumble upon them in the temple that day, I can't help but wonder what assumptions we might stick on them. After all, the waiting elderly are not usually our idea of those full of the Holy Spirit and maturity. Sometimes we do mistake youth. For spiritual vibrancy. Sometimes we mistake excitement for passion. Sometimes we mistake action for being spiritually awake. And I think Luke would have us see that they're not the same things. Not always. Simeon can't do much, nor can Anna, but they can wait And Luke tells us that this waiting is nothing less than the work of the Holy Spirit. Simeon is old. Anna is very old. But Luke wants us to see that they are spiritually wise because they know how to wait for years. No, decades. With nothing but a promise. So let's wait with them for a minute and see what happens. Let's go to the temple and see what they know. The first thing that we notice is that the temple is a busy place. It's a place of action, of spiritual activity and conversation and worship. The temple is the place where the stuff happens. But there in the busy bustling and the jostle of worshipers and the hum of prayer and the smells of sacrifice, while everybody is busy doing something, Simeon and Anna are not. In fact, they don't seem to be in a hurry to go anywhere. And for a moment, if we decided that we weren't in a hurry either, they might just start a conversation with us. And if we could pause long enough to listen, I wonder if Simeon wouldn't begin to tell us about the day that God is going to come back and restore everything and make everything right. And if we didn't have an immediate excuse to be somewhere else, He'd likely tell us about the glory days of Israel and how it used to be in Jerusalem before Rome overshadowed it. He would no doubt pine for those days when people really sensed God's presence there in the temple, when they really wanted it, and we'd probably roll our eyes. (laughs) But that would not deter him from launching into a history lesson that starts with God's promise to Abraham Simeon just might rehash the genealogy of the patriarchs and then move into the entire Exodus story. He could perhaps go on to tell us about the prophets who foretold of the day when God would return, when Messiah would come. And if by some miracle we were still listening, (laughs) he'd tell us that God had promised to him that he himself would see the day when Messiah. Talk about having something to live for. It seems that Simeon just won't retire from the hope that God is coming to make all things new, just like he promised. It could be that we do manage to avoid Simeon's protracted stories that day, though, but even if we avoid him, we're sure to run into Anna. Anna is very old. You could even say she's a fixture in the temple. She's there so often, it seems like she never leaves. Don't you have somewhere else to be, Anna? But she doesn't. Anna wants to be there in God's house. She's been there for probably about 70 years now. Now, someone in Anna's situation, well, if you were to stop a woman like Anna and talk to her, you'd imagine that she might go on to tell you the names of the kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids and to quote to you what the children are up to these days. But Anna She didn't have her own family. So, Anna would likely quote you long passages of the Psalms from memory. Using the gift of time to offer prayers for the people of Israel, she might go on to tell you about what God has been teaching her lately in her own life and about how worried she is for the future of Israel. But she'd also tell you in the same breath that what sustains her while she is fasting, what nourishes her... Is this hope that God would come? In fact, she just can't seem to let it go. Simeon and Anna bring us full circle in the story of the birth of Jesus that we talk about at Christmas time. We began five weeks ago with an old priestly couple, well along in years, Luke says named Zachariah and Elizabeth, and we journeyed to Nazareth and then to Bethlehem, and now we're back in the temple in Jerusalem where it began, and we meet another old man, and old woman there, and that is something that I never noticed before. The story of the birth of Jesus to new parents is bookended by elderly men and women far removed from the wonder of a baby, but no less overcome with joy. I think that perhaps one of the most beautiful lines of the entire Christmas story is the one where Luke tells us today that Simeon was hoping. You could translate it, looking forward to. Simeon, old and full of hope and stories and grace and wisdom and discernment, is looking forward And what you might not know is that for Luke, that phrase, looking forward, is a loaded term, right? It is freighted with all of the weight of the eschatological fulfillment of God's promises spoken generations before. What that means is that Simeon himself personally holds to God's promises spoken a long time ago as if they are the most important, most anticipated things of his entire life, and none of them have happened. Perhaps we could say Simeon has placed the entirety of his life's meaning, value, and purpose in God's spiritual IRA, and any investor will tell you how crazy it is not to diversify, especially when it comes to something as important as hope. And yet for Simeon, it's as good as done. He is set for life because the Holy Spirit has told Simeon. That those promises spoken a long time ago are also spoken to him personally. Simeon knows that this, this promise is what's worth holding and clinging to with every fiber of your being. Simeon knows. That this is what is worth clinging to when everything, no matter what you have and no matter what the world around you looks like or how often the kids call, whether you are at the beginning of a career or nearing the end of your time on earth, this is the thing that is worth clinging to. And the gospel word to Simeon today at Christmas is that he doesn't have to wait any longer. Because there in the bustle and the hum of the temple, Simeon is full of the Holy Spirit, and that means he is awake. He is spiritually awake when a young couple comes walking through the door with a six-week-old son, walking into the temple bearing all the telltale signs of new parenthood. They are clearly poor, probably from a place up in the hills somewhere. She's clutching that child, wrapped in cloths, eyes tired, darting through the crowd. The husband is trying to make way for his young wife, carrying too much luggage. She looks at him and asks again if he has the five shekels for the redemption of a firstborn. He sets down the uh, small cage with pigeons, wings flapping, checks his pockets for the fourth time. Yes, I have the five shekels. But Simeon also sees something else. And because we are in the company of this wise old man who knows how to watch and wait, we see something else too. What is it? We see God who has come in the flesh. And when with astonished, glistening eyes, Simeon approaches this child, Mary offers him. And Simeon takes this child in his arms and like the dawn after a very long night, like like the end of a watch, like the end of the night shift, like the heavens parting on a gloomy day, Simeon is given to realize that the time is now. And it's like all of the hope that he has been holding is wrapped up, up around this squirming bundle that he holds in his arms. And and what it means is that he can rest. He can go in peace. No wonder he sings. He sings about peace and rest. He sings about the glory of Israel and light to the Gentiles. Don't miss that. Simeon is singing about how All of the traditions and hymns which he sang from the time he was a baby find their significance in this poor child in his arms from the hills, the glory of the people of Israel, and it is also a light to the nations. As awful as the world was, and it was awful for him, as noisy as the temple was that day, and it was noisy, as tenuous as the future of Israel seemed to that old man that day, Simeon is not wringing his hands. He is not complaining. He is not sitting quietly. He is singing. And he is at peace because Simeon has everything he needs right there in his arms. Simeon is saying that holding this child means that I can die in peace. He is holding salvation in his arms. And Simeon would say that now we can hold it too. Because this peace is for us too. Even though none of us in this room are Israelites, it should not be for us. But Simeon knows that this child is peace for him, the glory of Israel, and it is light for the nations, and therefore for us. Outsiders though we are. But lest we were to walk out with a false happiness, Simeon catches our arm just like he caught Mary by hers. And... He does not want us to mistake this peace for false security like a courageous elder who has learned not to worry too much what other people think. Simeon tells us that this peace is unlike any other peace that you will find in this world. This peace separates out the truth from the lies even though they are inextricably twined within our own hearts because this peace discerns us. It pierces us. With the knowledge that this Messiah and his arms will be pierced for our transgressions, crucified so that we can have something much more substantial than a resume to hold. Hope. Hope that God will renew all things in his glory and the ends of the earth will see and bow before the throne of Jesus. It is the hope that God really is who he says he is even though he said it a long time ago and that God will do what he says he will do even though he did it a long time ago. And the point is this. What is worth holding tenaciously in this life? What's worth your hope? This promise. And it's fulfillment for you. It is the glory of Israel and it is light to the nations. It is not something that you have to work for. And you don't have to go on a soul-searching retreat to find it. It doesn't require expensive equipment to our financial advisor. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. And God places this gift and its hope and its fulfillment right in your arms today. He's here. And his name is Jesus, and he's come, and he's brought a meal bread and wine in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord God, it is still Christmas, and we are immensely grateful for this wondrous, strange, mysterious news that you would come wrapped in flesh, wrapped up against the cold, because babies get cold is too wonderful for us. It is hard to fathom. And yet, it is the starting place for understanding who we are to you and who you are to us. And so we ask that this Christmas season, over these next few days, that you would come. That you would come through your words and your promises. That you would come like light in our darkness. And that just now you would come in bread and wine and nourish us to believe, to have hope, and to follow you wherever this goes, and to hold on to you no matter what, knowing that you hold on to us and never let go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Brothers and sisters, God is the one who has brought us here together today, whether we are here in person or in our own homes. And the same God who has gathered us to himself has brought us a full meal of his promises and also a table full of bread and wine. The best thing about this table, whether you had to set it yourself at home or whether it's this one, is that everything is ready. Ready? God has prepared everything that we need through his son, Jesus. He he invites you to come to receive it now. For the little ones among us who participate in this this, uh, feast, in this celebration, reminder that when we come to this table, we eat this bread and we drink this little bit of juice. And even though they are small, what they give us is a great big meal of faith. It nourishes us to be able to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is, to be able to leave this place living like that is true. And so friends, uh, today as we partake of communion, uh, we remember that one of the names for it is the Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. And today at Christmas, we have much to be thankful for, for God has come among us and has given us this bread and this juice as a sign of his coming, giving his body and blood for us. And so as we partake of the Eucharist together today, we will do so uh, doing one great, big, long prayer together. It's called the Great Prayer of Thanksgiving. I'll be leading us through it, and when it's your turn to speak some words, I'll give you your cue. The words will be on the screen. Friends, let's uh, celebrate the supper together. Friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We lift our hearts to give you thanks and praise, Lord God, because you made your whole creation a temple of your glory and invited us into it to enjoy you forever. When you called Israel out of Egypt, you made yourself known through your covenant and a tabernacle of your presence. In Solomon, you allowed your people to meet you in a temple built by human hands. Finally, in Simeon, you show us what it means to wait faithfully to see your salvation in your incarnate Son in whom your own heart was pierced, that we might be made one with you. In your son's death, the temple of his body was destroyed, but in three days you raised him to be the place of our dwelling with you forever. And so, with angels and archangels and the whole host of heaven, we join in the eternal song of your glory, saying together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. God of peace and light, you have prepared a table before us in the presence of all peoples, and you have made it a gift of revelation and glory. Your servant Anna waited for you with fasting and prayer night and day. Visit your people that the secrets of our hearts may be laid bare and the secret of your heart be revealed and make your people holy as you are holy. Send your Holy Spirit on this bread and this cup that they may be for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who at supper with his disciples gave us this memorial of his sacrifice before he suffered and until he comes again. On the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood, It is poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Friends, great is the mystery of faith. Let's say it together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. God of glory, make your church a sign of newborn hope in your kingdom. Be born in us today. Consoling God as Simeon foresaw that your son would be a sign that would be opposed, bless any who face hostility, anger, and violence. As the holy family realized that a sword would pierce their own soul, speak tenderly to those whose souls know despair, loss, or betrayal. Restore our hope in you, O God. Fill your children with wisdom and set your favor upon all who turn to you until that day when heaven and earth become a temple of your praise and your resurrection engulfs all that you have made. Ever one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has prepared this table for all those who love him and trust in him for their salvation. All who are sorry for their sins, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who desire to live in obedience to him are invited now to come with gladness to the table of the Lord. For friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Amen. I would invite you as we partake of the supper, the Eucharist together today, uh, to remain seated because we want to spread uh, gospel and not virus. We are thinking about how we can keep each other safe. So our elements are contained in this little container. If you would like, you are welcome to first open your mask um, and then go ahead and open the top layer of your little container. Uh, It's a double lid there, so it's a bit of a trick. So, see, I just did it wrong, but that's okay. That's all right. We are all friends here, right? I'll give you a moment to do that now. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. When you're ready go ahead and open that second second layer there. Brothers and sisters, take drink, remember and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Brothers and sisters, the Lord gathers us in to feed us, to nourish us, and he sends us back out again, full of that grace and that light and that truth. I would invite you to rise as God sends you blessed. Friends, God the Father, who loved the world so much that he sent his um, son Jesus uh, Wait, there we go. There we go. May Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, who comes with healing in his wings, fill you with the joy and peace that passes all understanding. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Friends, let's go singing. Joy to the world.
2: you.